0: morning neat passage today for several times I read it I was thinking to myself all these names of cities and I've got to deal with all of this and then that verse number 4 verse 4 just stuck out in my mind and we have I've had a great week thinking through this and look forward to sharing with you the word of God. There is one main goal for every genuine disciple of Christ. We strive to exalt Jesus. We seek every opportunity we can to make much of our king. We accomplish this by following in the footsteps of our savior and king. Many of us often want to be like David or Samson from the Old Testament. But when we get right down to it, it is important for us to understand our main goal should be to look more like Jesus. I think many of us want songs sung about us. Mike slew 10,000 Pharisees. That's 1 Samuel 187 states, or want to be able to boldly state something like Samson, with the jawbone of a donkey, I killed a thousand men. We often want to be the warrior heroes or the conquering kings of the Bible. But, friends, what we all should be Long for is to make much of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by following in his sacrificial footsteps. More than being the conquering king or the warrior hero, we need to be like our sacrificial king and savior. Today we're going to learn ambassadors for Christ seek opportunities to exalt King Jesus in life. And death Again, ambassador is a representative of a king, a subject who speaks for the king. Ambassadors of Christ, of Jesus, seek every opportunity to exalt our royal king, whether in life or in death. The king's servant seek to follow in the sacrificial footsteps of our brave king we see in Jesus a truly great hero is a person who is willing to die for his enemies. Unlike David, David was a good king. A man after God's own heart. But he was not a king that would lay down his life for his people. King Jesus did. King Jesus laid down his life not only for Israel, but for us Gentiles who were at a time separated and aliens from God and enemies of him. What a king, right? In Acts 19, we saw, look over there, Paul was determined to go to Jerusalem. In 1921, it states, Now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Paul is on his third missionary journey, and in that process he comes to an awareness that it's time to go back to Jerusalem. The the determination by Paul to go to Jerusalem reflects the master's previous resolve to go to Jerusalem before. Now, it's very important for us to understand, who wrote Acts? The Holy Spirit, yes, but who was who the one using the pen? Luke, yes. And who wrote the Gospel of Luke? That one's an easy one. Luke, yeah. Did you know that this is a two-book set, two-volume set? Luke wrote both of those, Luke and Acts. And I think, and I believe, and you'll see it as we go along... Luke is intentionally bringing out the similar resolve of Paul as Jesus had in his own life to go to Jerusalem. They parallel themselves. So Luke in, 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 in the Gospel of Luke shows Jesus determined to go to Jerusalem. And then in Acts, he repeats that same thing. Paul's determined, resolved to go to Jerusalem. Luke recorded in his gospel account, in Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, his determination to go to Jerusalem. And now, in Acts, Luke is showing Paul had this same resolve to go up to Jerusalem. No, Paul was not going up to die to atone for sin like Jesus but Paul was going up to Jerusalem to exalt the one who had died for him. And that is important to note. The key verse in our passage, look at 21:13. This is the key verse. Then Paul answered, "What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart, for I am ready not only to be bound but even to die at Jerusalem." For the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the key phrase of the whole passage. We see here ambassadors for Christ are willing to suffer and die to exalt their king. Representatives of Christ seek to exalt Jesus by proclaiming him and picking up our own crosses daily and following him. So to get the right perspective for us, why Paul did what he did... Let's review what Jesus did. Because you must have a big picture and a good understanding of who Christ is and what he did in order for us to follow in his footsteps. This is important. The message breaks down into two parts. First, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem to die. The second part, so Paul goes up to Jerusalem to exalt the king. This is very important. Let's walk through this. Let's start with Jesus goes up to Jerusalem to die. You say, where in the world are you going to get this? Go back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples about who people say that I am. This is the turning point. ...for G- for Jesus' ministry. It's at this point... ...Jesus is going to turn and face... ...His attention... ...on Jerusalem... ...and the cross. Jesus has just fed the 5,000... ...but look over at verse 18. Let me read this passage to you... ...from 918 all the way down through... ...verse 31. And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he questioned them, saying, Who do the people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and the others say Elijah, but others, that one of the prophets of old has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, The Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell anyone, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Verse 23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you, truly, truthfully... There are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Verse 28. Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him. And they were Moses and Elijah, who, appearing in glory, were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. That's the key little point I wanted to make. But as we look through this passage, we see a very interesting Savior. He is the Christ of God. That's an observation that's obvious. He would suffer and die. He's already told them he was going to suffer and die and be raised on the third day. Jesus was making sure his disciples knew who he was and what he was going to face. I'm going to suffer and die. Now, they didn't completely get it. We'll see that in a little bit. But he was trying to make sure they understood. I'm going to suffer and die in Jerusalem. Let's go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Second observation, to be a follower of Jesus, he explains what it meant. It meant to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Being willing to lose our life for Christ's sake. The words in 21.13 almost ring here, if you'll listen closely. Again, back in in Acts 21, you don't have to go over there yet, but think about this. Paul's words ring out. He says, for I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. What did Jesus say in Luke 9? What did he say? His disciples would be what? Whoever loses my li- his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. What's the point? He's willing to what? The disciple of Christ is willing to lay down his life for Christ's name, for his sake. And so when Paul says in Acts 21, 13, I am ready to be bound, but even also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus, he has Jesus firmly in his mind. He knows who Jesus is and he wants his life to be all about Jesus. Jesus had told the disciples to do this. The death, burial, and resurrection is already foretold in Luke chapter 9. And we see this was the predetermined plan of God. We know this because it says it. This is what's going to happen. The Son of Man must die, is what Jesus said. Jesus knew it. And the glorified Moses, as we see in the transfiguration, and Elijah, they knew it too. They knew he was going to Jerusalem to what? Die. This is at the Transfiguration. When did Moses and Elijah depart the earth? Hundreds and hundreds of years previously. But they were here on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what was it all about? What were they talking about on this mountain? They're talking about... We're speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So what we have is this stage is set. Jesus has his eyes on what, Jerusalem and the cross. This is exactly what's happening now. See, we see next Jesus resolve. Look over at Luke nine fifty one, Luke nine fifty one. In Luke nine fifty one to fifty four, it states when the days were approaching for his ascension. He, that is Jesus, was determined to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from Jerusalem? Heaven and consume them. But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. What's the point here? Jesus has his mind. Look at verse 51. He's determined to go to Jerusalem. He's resolved. I love this word, determined. It's rich in meaning. It means to be fixed on, to be determined to accomplish an objective, to be resolved, to set one's face on a goal, to have a firmness of purpose. Very important. Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem to die for his sheep. And no matter what, even if people rejected him, he's going through a town and a bunch of people reject him, James and John say, hey, Let's call down some fire on them and clear the path out for you. Jesus is like, no. i got Jerusalem on my mind. I've got the cross on my mind. I'm going to die for see- sheep. And here you are saying, let's judge them. Let's kill them. Jesus is resolved to what? Suffer and die in Jerusalem. That's his focus. That's his purpose as we are reading through acts we're seeing the same resolve from the apostle paul aren't we why why did he have the same resolve in acts 21 to go to jerusalem why am i going to jerusalem the answer because jesus gave him life through his death burial and resurrection he knew the gospel he knew jesus paul was resolved because jesus was resolved for him Ultimately, Paul was committed to Christ because Christ laid down his life for Paul. Oh, Folks, I'm telling you, I'm convinced more and more every time I read these scriptures and look at the lives of the believers in the New Testament, what we see is is a gospel-centered mind makes you do things the world calls crazy. It makes you lay down your life for others. It gives you a resolve and a commitment to do whatever it takes to lay down your life. Paul understood Jesus' resolve to get to Jerusalem. And he's following in the footsteps of Jesus' resolve to go to Jerusalem. No, Paul wasn't going to die. We know that. We read the rest of the Acts. But what he was going to do is he was willing to sacrifice in order to exalt the king. I'll go wherever it takes to exalt the king. And notice Jesus' resolve to go to Jerusalem continues. Look at 13.22. 13.22. Luke 13.22. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. Then look at 31. 2 13:31 to 33 rather just as at the time to- that time some pharisees approached saying to Jesus go away leave here for Herod wants to kill you and he said to them go and tell that fox behold i cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day i reach my goal Nevertheless, I must journey on today and tomorrow and the next day, for it cannot be that a prophet would perish outside of Jerusalem. What's his point? I'm going on. I'm focused on Jerusalem. Then look at Luke 17, 11. Luke seventeen eleven. While he was on the way to Jerusalem... He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. What do we see from this? As we track through the book of Luke, we see Jesus was resolved to go to Jerusalem, to the cross. Nothing could stop Jesus from making his way to Jerusalem to accomplish his purpose. Not growing numbers of disciples as we saw back in the previous passages. Not wicked rulers who were seeking to kill him. That wouldn't keep him from going to Jerusalem. Not countless droves of lost people who needed his attention in Samaria and Galilee. He saw lost people everywhere. He saw disciples wanting him. He saw a king, Herod, that wanted him dead. What did it do? It did not distract him from his mission, which was what? I gotta go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And notice Jesus reminds the disciples of his mission. Look in Luke eighteen, thirty-one. Luke eighteen, thirty-one to thirty-four. And then he, Jesus, took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit on. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him, and the third day he will rise again. And then this verse, But the disciples understood none of these things. And the meaning of this statement was hidden from them. And they did not comprehend the things that were said. Now, folks, you've got to pay attention closely today. This is a very important point. What we see is Paul is doing exactly what Jesus did. And he's he's accomplishing very much of the same things. Here, what we see in this passage is two points I want you to get. The depth of Christ's suffering was fully known by the Savior as he approached Jerusalem. What did Jesus know was going to happen in Jerusalem? Pretty detailed, wasn't it? He's going to be handed over. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be mistreated. He's going to be spit upon. He knew great details of what was going to happen in Jerusalem, didn't he? Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Paul was getting details and details and details of exactly what was going to happen and where? Jerusalem. You see the parallels? The same exact thing. He's walking in the footsteps of his Messiah because that's what ambassadors for Christ do. We walk in the footsteps of our Messiah. We walk through the things that he walks through. We pick up our cross and we follow him. Why? Because he went to the cross for us. This is a beautiful picture. Notice the disciples around Jesus were clueless of what he was going to face. They didn't get it. Remember, what did Peter say? You're not going up there. You're not going to die. He says, get behind me, Satan. What happens, folks? Jesus was resolved to do it anyway. Isn't this just like Paul? Everywhere he goes, all the disciples are finding out that Paul's going up to suffer. And what do the disciples do? Everywhere they go, they beg him, don't go. Don't go. They don't get it. It's not clicking. Why doesn't it click for us? Here's why it didn't click for us. Because we dislike suffering. We dislike suffering. We don't like it. Anybody in here likes suffering? Anybody like seeing somebody else suffer? None of us, right? Unless unless you know what God does with suffering. If you understand that suffering is God's opportunity To glorify Jesus, you go, oh, may the will of the Lord be done. How about it? Are you getting this? Paul got it. (laughs) He understood it. Suffering is an awesome opportunity to bring glory to God. Yet he was alone. Jesus was alone except for the Father and the Spirit. But as a whole, his friends didn't want him to go there. Who was alone on the way to Jerusalem in Acts 21? Paul. Everywhere he went, they said what? Stay. We don't want you to go. But that's what ambassadors for Christ do. And I want you to get this, and I want you to listen. This is something I've learned, and, I'm, and I still have a long ways to learn. Often, listen closely, often suffering is a lonely place. Going to suffer is often a very lonely place. People don't understand what you're going through. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Part of what makes suffering so refining is that we often have to go through it only with him. People don't get it. We don't get it. We say, do this instead so you can get over it. I don't know how many times I've heard people say these things. When something bad happens. Oh, we just got to trust God because he's sovereign. Oh, yes, he, he is sovereign. And there is an element of truth to that. But, beloved, what you're forgetting is the process of trusting is not a fix-it moment. It's not a trust God, got it, done. No. Paul had to trust God From the moment he determined to go to Jerusalem by the Spirit till he got there. And then when he got there, guess what he had to do? Trust the Lord then too? This is what Jesus did. He entrusted himself to the Father. And though all the disciples didn't get it, he kept going. Look at Luke 19. Jesus continued on, Luke 19, 11. Luke 19, 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was what? Near Jerusalem. And they supposed the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. <laughs> but it wasn't. He was going to die in Jerusalem. He was near Jerusalem. Then over at verse 28 of 19. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. So Jesus faced the city filled with his arch enemy. Everyone hated him and wanted him dead. What was his attitude towards them? He did view these people as wicked, but he kept going. Look over at Luke 19. This is amazing. What did... Jesus think of Jerusalem as he approaches Jerusalem? What did he think of these people? When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace But now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. What did Jesus do, verse 41, when he approached Jerusalem and he knew the people that were there? That these people wanted him dead? What did he do? He wept. He wept. I don't know about you guys. But if I'm thinking like David or Samson. Walking into Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. Come on. (laughs) You understand I, I spoke the world into existence? Do you understand who you're talking to? Who you're mocking? Who you're spitting on? You understand that I say dead and everybody in Jerusalem what? Dies. But what did Jesus do when he saw Jerusalem? He wept over them. This is different kind of thinking, isn't it? As he faced his suffering and the people that were going to kill him and mock him and crucify him and spit on him. He wept for them. We have this same picture in the Apostle Paul. See, we become like our shepherd. Romans 9, anybody doubt? Look at Romans 9. Look at Romans 9. What's Paul think of the Jews? What does he think of his fellow kinsmen? Chapter 9 of Romans. I am telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. That I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ... From Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Oh, beloved, do you think Paul loved the people of Jerusalem? Did he love those Jews that hated him? What was his response? He wept grief too. Oh, do you see this? I I hope you're catching this. When we understand who Jesus is and what he did, we become just like Jesus. We look like him. We cry like him. We sacrifice for him. We keep going to Jerusalem. Is this, this not? Do you see why I was like, wow, this is amazing, God? What a God. So Jesus, as he faced back in Luke, go back, faced the city filled with his arch enemies, he wept over Jerusalem. Where was his David moment? Where was his Samson moment? No, he was going to be better than Samson. Better than David. He was going to die for them. Let his blood be upon us and our children. And he dies. Why didn't he call down fire on these wicked people? Short answer, because Jesus loved them despite them. And though judgment was coming for them, he warns them, still it brought joy to his soul to keep going to die for them. Listen to me. Jesus never, ever, ever takes pleasure in the death of the wicked. We see it from here. These are the very ones that he knows are going to spit on him. He knows they're going to mistreat him, and he's weeping for them. Beloved, does this reflect your life? Does this reflect your life? When somebody mistreats you, do you weep for the ones that are mistreating you? Friends, this is amazing, isn't it? In fact, he was being led to his crucifixion and Jerusalem comes up again. After being rejected by most of them, after being slapped, after being spit on, after being mocked, after being chosen, uh, after a, a common criminal was chosen instead of him, remember Barabbas? What does he say to Jerusalem's daughters? Look at Luke chapter 23. This is, this is shocking to me. He's on the way to the cross. Luke 23. What does he think of Jerusalem? What does he think of these people? Twenty-three, twenty-six. 26. When they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene... Coming in from a country and placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And following him was a large crowd of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting him, Jesus. But Jesus, turning them to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him. Oh, this is shocking, isn't it? What's Jesus do on his way to the cross? What's he do? He's more concerned for the people that are following, lamenting for him than himself. Friends, get this. A believer, a follower of Christ, thinks about others more than himself. Even, now this is going to shock you, and I hope you're listening... Even, even in our suffering. Oh, you've got to get this point. If you don't get this point, you've missed a very important lesson. Listen, suffering, suffering is not a time to spend looking at ourselves and focusing on ourself. Even in suffering, we must see Others. If our minds and our hearts are focused on others, we will see the suffering for what it really is. Which is what? Opportunity. Opportunity to glorify God. Do you see here? Jesus has been beaten. He's been mocked. He's been spit on. He's headed to a cross to face the wrath of the Father for, these, for people. And what does he do? He turns in compassion towards the ones that are lamenting over him, and he's more focused on them than him. How do we suffer for the glory of God? How do we suffer for the glory of God? We suffer for the glory of God by getting our eyes off of ourselves and onto the ones that are watching us suffer. That's what Paul does. This is what believers do. Is this not different than anything you've ever heard? He was going to face the wrath of God for his own. He was going to endure the Father's judgment. And he warns these Jewish women to weep for their children and their grandchildren because they are headed for judgment for rejecting the Messiah. And he keeps going. Resolved. Resolved. Not only to go to Jerusalem, but to the cross. Why did he go to Jerusalem, beloved? Why did he go to the cross, friends? He came, he went, he went to die for us. Let's just let Jesus tell us why he went to the cross, why he went to Jerusalem. Look over at Luke chapter 24. Verse 44. After Jesus had died and rose from the dead, Jesus then tells some of his disciples why he went to Jerusalem. He gives the reason. Look at verse 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which were written about me in the law and Moses and the prophets and the Psalms ...must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written... ...that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day... ...and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin... ...would be proclaimed to his name to all the nations. Beginning from Jerusalem... And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, the Holy Spirit. But you are to stay in the city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. It was written Jesus would die and rise from the dead. His death, burial, and resurrection were ordained so that, key phrase, so that, Repentance for the forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name. Oh, folks, this is it. Why did Jesus continue on to Jerusalem? Why did he die? He died so that repentance for the forgiveness of sin could be proclaimed in his name. If you turn from your sins and trust in Christ, your sins can be forgiven. Why? Because Christ died and rose from the dead. Why did he keep going? He did it so that we could have life in his name. That we could have all of our sins paid for. And that is enough. We are with him. And we know him and we are rightly related with him. Jesus went to Jerusalem to die so that the enemies of Jesus could become his reconciled friends. Anybody doubt whether or not God loves you? If you doubt that, it's because you don't know and you haven't embraced how much he loves you. He went to Jerusalem. He was resolved to do it knowing how bad it would be. So that you could be reconciled to God through faith in his son. Jesus died so that the father could send forth the spirit and indwell as blood-bought adopted children. What would happen? Jesus would be proclaimed where? In Jerusalem. And then where? To all the nations. Now folks. This is going to you're going to see this next week and it's amazing. I want you to listen. It's 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 really amazing. When Jesus when when Paul rather has this message, what's he do? He goes to the nations. He takes this very message of repentance to the nations. And the nations are coming to Christ. And what does Paul do? He says, "You know what? I'm going back to Jerusalem." Because my brothers need to embrace this message. And the fact is, is that Jesus accomplished it. And Gentiles are saved too. And so he goes back and he says to them, and I've gone to the nations and the Gentiles are embracing Christ. And what's that get him? That's when they cut him off in Jerusalem. Persecution happens. Why did Paul do it? Did he go to poke them in the eye? No, I think he went because he loved them and he wanted them to know that Jesus was their hope. He was the Messiah that was sent for the nations too. Why was Paul determined to go to Jerusalem? The short answer is for the name of the Lord Jesus Paul went to Jerusalem to exalt the one who died for him. Paul went on this trip and showed how much he loved Jesus. Paul's trip showed just how much the Lord made Paul look like Jesus. So we see an ambassador of Christ seeks opportunities to exalt King Jesus in life and death. Now, look at our second point. It'll be briefer. Hang in there. So Paul goes up to Jerusalem. Look over at Acts chapter 19. I want you to see if you can see them. As you think through this. I want you to see how many of these parallels are there. Does he look like Jesus? Does he exalt Christ as he approaches Jerusalem? Oh yeah he does. Look at this. Verse nine, uh, chapter 19 verse 21. Now after these things were finished. Paul purposed what? In the spirit to go where? To Jerusalem. After he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. I believe this is the spirit of God directing Paul to go to Jerusalem. Why? Simple. Because Paul could best reveal Jesus this way. Why go to Jerusalem? Because this is the way for him to exalt Jesus the most. This was one of the ways to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to Jerusalem. To do the same things he did. And suffer for it. Paul went to Jerusalem to reveal Jesus in his life and through his own suffering. Notice Acts 20 verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. For he was in a hurry... To be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now, folks, we're going to explore this in the coming weeks. He's going to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Does anybody know what happened on the day of Pentecost? That's when the Holy Spirit came previously, right? Okay. Why is Paul in a hurry to get to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost? It's a great question to ask. Was it because he wanted to start following the law of Moses? Because he was Jewish. We'll talk about this as we go along. I'm not going to tell you today. But at the bare minimum, we can know this. Paul was definitely not picking a time to go to Jerusalem when he'd be inconspicuous. You understand? He's picking a time to go to Jerusalem when, guess what? all the Jews that had chased him out of every one of those cities were going to Jerusalem. He picked the day when all of his enemies would be collected at Jerusalem. Do you understand what that means? He was going to Jerusalem... On Pentecost, when all the Jews from all the dispersion would be coming there and would know who he is and would say, Kill that man. We want him dead. It's just like Jesus, right? When did he die? On Passover. When all the Jews collected... Paul was in a hurry, but this time I, th- I think the, the the timing is amazing because he celebrates he celebrates Passover before Pentecost. He celebrates that on the road. Why didn't he make in a hurry to get there by Passover? But instead, he gets there at Pentecost. I think the answer is to show, ultimately, what happened at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came. I am a blood bought, Spirit indwelled believer. It's here to proclaim the exaltation of Christ, the one who died on Passover. Paul's all about the exaltation and magnification of Christ. That's his life. Paul was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem and face a large group of Jewish opposition. And as we saw last week, Paul knew he was going to face persecution. Look at Acts 20, verse 22. I know I'm jumping around a lot, but y'all hang in there. And now, behold. Paul's talking to the elders in Ephesus, remember? And now, behold, bound by the Spirit. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying, bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus, to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Just like Paul, Lord, he was resolved to finish his course that God had laid for him. Paul was committed to go to Jerusalem despite the pain. He was committed to go so that he could, what, solemnly testify to the gospel, to Christ. Now, I get to deal with, in five minutes, the difficult verse of 21, Acts 21.4. Look at it. I think we're going to answer the question real quick and it won't be that much of a conflict. 21, four. here's the hard verse. That's called, by the way, that's not normal homiletical style. I'm setting you up. I had to get it all there or you would not understand this verse. Okay? An Arminian, I love you guys if you're there. I still love you. It's okay. An Arminian would read this verse and say, it was Paul had a choice. And Paul, God's plan for Paul was not really ordained. I disagree. Look at verse 4. Not all Armenians, by the way. But look at verse 4. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days. And they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot into Jerusalem. Let me ask you a question. Did the Holy Spirit not want Paul to go to Jerusalem? You look at that verse. Did, did the Holy Spirit not want Paul to step foot, set foot in Jerusalem? Well, you read that verse, you might think, well, it sure sounds like that. It looks like that. But I don't think so. We've seen already in the other verses that it was bound by the Spirit. That the Spirit was working in him to go to Jerusalem, right? So it would contradict this. I believe the Spirit was not saying through these people to not go to Jerusalem. He wasn't saying that. I think what the Spirit was saying is, Paul's going to suffer in Jerusalem. As soon as he steps into Jerusalem, it's going to get difficult. He's going to suffer. And so the people were taking that prophecy that Paul was going to suffer, and they were saying what? Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to Jerusalem. Now, folks, get this. You've got to understand. Listen closely. That's what people do. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't suffer. Didn't we see that with Jesus? Are we not seeing it with Paul? The ordained plan for Paul was to what? Suffer. But people wouldn't allow it didn't want to allow it we know from 1921 that he purposed in the spirit and that from 2022 that he was bound by the spirit so why was the spirit giving them a message that would cause Paul or ultimately them to fear for Paul why was the spirit saying these guys are going this guy's going to suffer now think listen if you don't pay attention you're going to miss this this is very important Why would the Spirit be laying on their hearts and all these prophets coming and saying, you're about to get whacked. You're about to get hurt. Why would the Spirit tell them that? Why? So that Paul could show Christ to them. they didn't know he was going to suffer, they wouldn't know that he was still resolved to go. If they didn't know he was going to suffer, they wouldn't know that he was willing to suffer just like Jesus. They had to know that he was going to suffer so that he could then exalt who? Jesus to them. He's worth it to me. In every city he went, another prophet stepped up and said, "You're going to suffer." And they all said, "Don't go." And he says, "But he's worth it to me. He's worth it to me." It was so that Paul could make much of Jesus. Friends, we don't have prophets and prophetess today. But we have this promise from Scripture. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that God graciously grants to his children to suffer for Christ's sake. How do you view your suffering? Do you view it like the Apostle Paul? Oh, an opportunity to glorify my king. Or do we view it? Woe is me, this is impossible, I can't do this. Are you convicted by that statement? Are you crushed like me? Anybody in here like, don't? You don't ever look at your suffering like that initially? Anybody? All of us? Why could Paul do it and we have a hard time doing it? You ready? His view of Christ was huge. His view of Jesus was much, much, much larger than our view of Jesus. You say, well, Mike, this doesn't apply to me. I don't suffer much. Oh, really? Does your spouse always say kind words to you? Do your co-workers always treat you with the utmost respect? Have you been passed over for a a job, a raise? Have you been looked down upon, mocked, mistreated? You say, well, it wasn't for Christ's sake. It could have been. It could have been. Can you imagine the next time your child comes up to you and Says something disrespectful and you say, you know, Daddy, I admit I am not Jesus and I don't deserve all respect in the world. Because I'm not always respectful and I'm not always honorable. So if you mistreat me, I understand and you mock me, I understand. But I want you to know the reason why I'm able to accept your mocking and your dishonor is because Jesus loves me. And he took my mocking. And he took my disrespect. And I want you to know I love you. And even when you're disrespectful to me, I love you anyway. Jesus is your hope. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? That's gospel-centered thinking. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and goodness to us. Help us see our circumstances as opportunities to glorify the name of Jesus, help us, Father, to love you, to serve you, to honor you, to respect you. and Help us to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, knowing that our sins are paid for and you are king. Help us to be ambassadors willing to suffer for your sake. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.